Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Mary. Hi, I'm Mary T, compulsive overeater. Hi, Mary Oh my God, I'm so nervous. I thought there were going to be three people here. Um, you know, that doesn't change my story. It doesn't matter how many people are here. My story is my story. Um, I, um, I'm a little thrown off that, that I'm actually being recorded. I've always had a problem, like even on my answering machine, listening to my own voice. Um, so, um, Anyway, I came into these rooms. Uh, oh, welcome to the newcomers. Welcome, and congratulations on, on the chip takers. Um, I, I belong to, to various fellowships. Um, coming into these rooms, these specific uh, OA rooms, uh, was where I actually got humbled and realized that, um, when, that the word compulsive does apply to me. If somebody had ever said that I was compulsive before, I would have, you know, never spoken to them again. Um, and so uh, I really got humiliated and humbled by my use of food in the world. Um, I came in in uh, 1996. That's right. I just celebrated 12 years of abstinence in December. And it has not been... Um, a, a constant, you know, uh, there's been dips and there's been high, you know, mountaintops and, and valleys. Um, but for the most part, this is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> this is really weird having this here. Um, for the most part, uh, my life has changed dramatically. Um, and what's so nice is that my body hasn't. You know, over there, I, I, I most of my life, I could never count on my genes fitting me the next day, much less a month from whatever day it was. Um, I, I never was, um, the interesting thing is, is that, that uh, a little over 12 years ago when I came in here, I was actually at the thinnest I had ever been as an adult. I, but I was also, I was compulsively exercising, which I didn't know that that even existed. I mean, I thought what I was doing was totally normal. Um, I was at the gym six days a week, and I was uh, running an hour every day of those six days, and three days out of the week I was working out with a trainer. Um, and then I would work all day, and then I would binge every night. And um, I knew that something, and I was 43, you know, it was, I was 43. It's not like I was a baby. I had been doing, I've been doing this a long time. And so, um, and I had this old idea in my head that I didn't know was an old idea until my sponsor started telling me to have an open mind so that I was available for new experiences and new ideas, um, that however my body looked when I turned 45, that that was how it was going to be for the rest of my life. And I was wrong. <laughs> um, so, uh, because, what I, like I said, I came in and I was, I was actually, I was doing that whole thing. Five more pounds and I'll be happy. Five more pounds and I'll be happy. Um, and I didn't really know what happiness was. Um, so, at, at 
at this point, what I'd like to do is, is there's, there's um, when I was thinking about leading this meeting, um, I went to my favorite book in, in these programs, which is the big book. And what my sponsor had me do, I got a sponsor right away. I got a sponsor, like, the first day I was, I, I went to the meeting because um, I had been in another fellowship for 11 years and never got a sponsor. And what I, the way I described what happened to me in that program was that I got relief but no recovery. And there's a big difference. There's a really big difference because once I started, I got a sponsor who took me through the steps. Um, it changed my life in a way that I had no idea. I mean, I've heard people talk about, you know, what had happened to them once they worked the steps that, you know, I always thought that was for other people. It wasn't for me. So what my sponsor has me do is she had me personalize the big book. She said, get a clean big book, you know, because you're going to be doing a lot of writing. And so um, today when I, when I was trying to figure out how to format this, because I'm so nervous speaking publicly, and it's easy to do a 10-minute pitch, um, but it's funny because I've always thought um, that I was, I've always been afraid because I come from an alcoholic family too, that if I start talking, when I finally start talking, that I won't be able to shut up because I had no voice as a child. So that's part of my background of, of growing up in a, in, a, in a house where we were all sedating ourselves. I mean, you know, but it didn't show up on my body till much later. So what I'm going to read right now is um, is really me when I came in here. And I'm going to read it the way that I write it, not the way it's actually written in the big book. Um, and it's Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. Most of us, I, have been unwilling to admit I was a real compulsive overeater. I like to think that I'm, I don't like to think that I am bodily and mentally different from my fellows. Uh, therefore, it is not surprising that my eating career has been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove I could eat like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, I will control and eat and enjoy my food is the great obsession of every abnormal overeater. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. And I have to say that that when I came in here, I was pretty crazy. I was insane. And um, so that's that's you know that's what I was like when I came in here. I was unwilling to admit that I was like anybody else. And what I'm going to do is I am going to, if I can find it quickly. I'm going to tell you what my experience is like now. Um, and I usually cry when I read this. Because, but this is what my life looks like on the most part, for the most part now. For I am happy. This is one of the stories, he who loses his life. For I am happy. I thought I could never be happy. A happy man is not likely to do harm to another human being. Harm is done by sick people, as I was sick, and doing dreadful harm to myself and to my loved ones. For me, OA is a synthesis of all the philosophy I've ever read, all of the positive good philosophy, all of it based on love. I have seen that there is only one law, the law of love, and there are only two sins. The first is to interfere with the growth of another human being, and the second is to interfere with one's own growth. Um, 
And then it goes on to talk about the joy of living, the irresistible power of divine love and its healing strength, um, and about choosing between good and evil and choosing good made happy. Um, I don't actually like to use good and evil. I just like to say, you know, we have choices. And sometimes they're neither good nor evil. They're just choices. Um, so, um, so that's what my life's like now. When I came in, uh, it was, you know, I was struggling to, I, every day, all I did was obsess about my, my weight, and it was never the right weight. Um, the number on the, on the scale was my higher power, although I had no, I didn't even know that phrase until I came in here. And, um, and I was crazy. All I was doing was working. Um, and I thought, you know, when I first came into these rooms, I thought, well, maybe one of the side effects of, of being in, a, in one of these fellowships is that I can take a day off. Because I worked for myself, and I was working seven days a week, and I had done that for seven years. Um, and then by the time I took a vacation, I would pour myself onto a plane. And um, funnily enough, um, I always hear people talking about that when they go on vacations, that's when they eat and drink more. And, you know, I did the exact opposite. When I was out of my normal environment, I would go, you know, to an island or wherever I was going by myself. I had no real relationships um, at that point. And, um, and food wasn't up for me. You know, I just, I, I was, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really sort of interesting. But I was, I was still exercising every day, of course. So anyway, um, so what happened? Uh, I walked into uh, into my first OA meeting uh, down on Hill Street in Santa Monica. Um, I got a sponsor uh, who I didn't know at all. I knew was that that if I didn't ask somebody the first day, I probably wouldn't do it at all. It was just like an impulsive thing. I didn't know anything about her. It ended up that she's like the biggest blessing in my life. She is probably the only person on this planet that knows absolutely everything about me. Um, I did a fifth step with her that took two years because she said, Mary, you're not, you know, you're 43 years old. How many of these do you have in you? So when I, you know, when I, um, actually I was actually 45 by the time I, I finished my fourth step. And um, so, so she, um, she listened to every gory detail of my 43 years. Um, and you know what? Uh, I wasn't as bad as I thought I would be, but I wasn't all, also I wasn't as good as I thought I was going to be, you know? Um, one of the things, you know, that I like to remind myself is that I am an addict, and I only want to feel good, you know. Um, and it's not necessarily, you know, I, I never really thought of food as making me feel good because I never really thought much about food. I just kept sticking it in my mouth, you know. I just, it was a mindless thing. And when people would say, oh, do you want to go out to dinner? i say, you know, I don't really like going out to dinner. You know, the, the truth is, is all I, you know, I liked to eat, it was, a, you know, it was just something I did. I never really thought a whole lot about the activity um, until it started interfering in me being able to put my clothes on. You know, I really, for many years, did not even think about it. All right, so um, 
An example, today I've, I've, I've been up since uh, 5.45, I've been working all day. Oh, by the way, I have two days off a week now. <laughs> Who knew? You know, who knew? I just sort of put it out into, you know, it took me almost 12 years, but, and it happened in a way that I wasn't even forcing the issue. Um, I, um, so I had breakfast. I didn't really eat that much. I, I do pretty physical work. And um, in between my appointments, uh, I realized that my stomach was making a lot of noise and, and I'm a massage therapist, so, you know, people don't really like to listen to my stomach. So I, but what I did, the miracle is, is that what I do now is I pack food and put it in my car. You know, I used to stop at everyone's favorite numbered stores, at, you know, because I never planned anything. I never planned anything. I would just drive until I saw, I think it's, I don't even know what color those stores are, but I could tell by the, the neon light. You know, and run in, and my idea of a meal was coffee and, and a muffin probably four times a day, and then I would binge at night. Um, the other thing that's sort of uh, <laughs> embarrassing is that that when I, one of the first women that, that led the meeting that I was at, my first meeting, I had heard three meals a day and a snack, and I, and I, I was embarrassed, but I, I said, well, what exactly is three meals a day? I mean, like, I was embarrassed. I was 43 and had no clue what that meant. And, um, and I, you know, she's, well, Mary, my God, you know, between 7 and 9, you eat a meal. It's called breakfast. Between, you know, you know, four or five hours later, between a couple of hours, you eat another meal and, you know, and on and on. And, and I had, I couldn't, I can't remember eating like that since I was probably in grammar school. Um, so anyway, um, I, I have never been more than, I would say, more than 25 or 30 pounds overweight. But um, I may as well have been, you know, a 400-pound person, you know. It doesn't matter. It affected my mind so intensely. Um, I, I just, I have such a skewed way of seeing things. Even now, I have to reason things out with other people, um, you know. Like I said, you know, I ended up not being as bad as, as I thought I was going to end up being in doing my fourth and fifth step. And, you know, I actually wasn't getting the pats on the back that I thought I would, you know, like, yeah, I lied, but it was just a little one, you know. Or I stole, but it was only 10 cents as opposed to everybody else was stealing big things, you know. Um, now um, my life is so different. Um, an example, oh, so, so today... I had breakfast, I had a snack, I had lunch, and um, when I'm finished here, I'll have a dinner, and hopefully that will be all I need for the day. Um, I go, this week I've been, between my various programs, I've been to uh, five meetings, and, um, you know, that's still 12 years into the into these rooms. Um, and... Uh, the, the most important thing I think that has happened for me that changed my life the most was finding something greater than my own thinking that I believe in. You know, some people call it God. Some people call it higher power. Um, I don't care what anybody calls it. Um, it's something greater than, you know, what goes on between my ears. Because that's, that's the only thing I had before I came into these rooms was, uh, you know, 
this crazy loop that was going on in my head. Um, and, and when I first, um, I heard, once again, in these rooms, I heard people talking about sitting in the morning and, you know, meditating and praying. And I thought, I don't have time for that. I do not have time for that. Um, but my sponsor was, you know, just give it a try. Keep an open mind, you know. Um, oh, and by the way, that's one of the first things that, that she uh, had me do is she wrote out uh, what people call the set-aside prayer. Um, and uh, it's basically asking God, the universe, higher power, uh, to, set a, you know, to help me set aside anything I think I know about anything so that I have an open mind and, and uh, an open heart and am available for a new experience. And um, that was something I had to say every day. You know, so that was sort of, I was saying a prayer whether I, you know, I was giving the 11 steps some homage by saying that without me realizing it. Um, I, um, I have come to believe that there is a solution for every problem that I have in this book, the big book. I, liter- I take it literally, you know. Um, it, it tells us to pause. When in doubt, pause. You know, we ask God for an intuitive thought. You know, I don't ask myself for an intuitive thought. Um, I believe my higher power ha- is is my intuition. It talks about um, that um, my power comes from deep inside. What's the phrase? I, um, it is deep within us that we find this power, and I mean, I take that literally. Um, but. The second step, I cried for months because I could not believe. When I came into these rooms, I just did not believe. Um, uh, I couldn't believe in a God, whatever that meant. I went to 12 years of uh, parochial school, and um, <laughs> which beat any belief out of me right there. And um, but and I grew up, you know, in a fairly violent house. I mean wasn't one of the worst houses, but, you know, there was, there was inappropriate behavior. And, and, and so um, I just didn't think that there was anything out there that really, you know, I had to take care of myself. That's really what I, I grew up with, this skewed idea that, that I was, you know, was me. I was on my own. Um, so anyway, I, um, when it came to the second step, I uh, cried with my sponsor. And I, this is what is revolutionary for me is that she, she would sit with me. Uh, we'd meet before the 7.30 a.m. meeting, so we'd meet at um, a coffee place at 6.30, and um, so we're talking about the second step. And she's just throwing things out there, seeing if anything's going to stick, because I'm just going, I, you know, I'm trying. I, don't, I, I can't believe. I don't, I don't believe. I don't believe. And one day she said, well, can't you just believe that, like, that anything is possible, and then she was carrying on, and for some reason that statement, anything is possible, I went, oh. And that night I wrote a letter to Dear Anything is Possible, and that became my first concept of God, was that absolutely anything is possible. Because I could somehow, you know, I don't know, you know, they talk about spiritual awakenings happening in various ways, and, um, you know, that wasn't exactly a burning bush, but it was, um, you know, it was 
it was something that, that, you know, suddenly I went, oh, my God, I can believe. I can believe. You know, who knew? Um, and at that point, I actually got a lot of hope, too. You know, I didn't realize how hopeless my life had been up until I, I got into these rooms. Um, I expected, you know, I believed that anything bad was possible, but I certainly didn't believe anything good was possible. Um, and basically, by, by, you know, I still use that. Every time I hear, and it's amazing how often that phrase is used out in the world, and every time I hear it, I think of God now. I think of my God. And uh, my sponsor said, you have to make your higher power personal to you, you know, and um, you're welcome to share it, but, you know, it, it's got to be something that works for you. And that has worked for me for probably 10 years now. Um, and so, um, let me see. Third step. Um, I, I'm not really sure how I'm going to format this. All right, so I, I'm, I'm working the steps. I'm working the steps. Um, oh, and in the midst of, of being in these rooms, uh, I... Uh, I had a lot of life happening to me. Um, my 12-year-old niece was physically attacked and, and raped, and um, that was really upsetting. My mother got Alzheimer's. I was her primary caretaker. I mean, a lot of life. But the, and my mother died. My, my brother died unexpectedly at the age of 40. Um, you know, there's been a lot going on, but that's just life. You know, the amazing thing is, is that I stayed abstinent through this stuff. I mean, my food did get bigger. I have to be honest here. My food is not, I have a very um, unrigid uh, food plan. Uh, my abstinence is basically, it's back to being, you know, bottom line is no sugar because um, I am a sugar addict. And about, I don't know, about a year ago, I... Um, with my uh, talking to my sponsor, because that's the biggest thing, is to, to be honest about what I'm doing. When I start sneaking around about anything, if I, if I feel shame or embarrassment or anything around my food or around something I'm doing, that, you know, I, I just, I can't live like that anymore. I just can't. Um, but anyway, so I, I told her that, that I thought I'd like to try and reintroduce sugar, and, and she said, well, you know, whatever you want, but, you know, it's not a good idea, but, but you know, um, I believe that everybody has the right to, you know, this is just an opinion of mine, by the way, so, you know, you can throw it away. Um, but I, you know, everybody's abstinence is a little different, um, and, you know, I, so I started eating sugar, and again, and it's not so much that um, I, I started binging again. Because that's the miracle of the program is that I pretty much, within a year of uh, being in these rooms, I pretty much quit binging at night, which was one of the biggest things for me, besides, you know, sort of snacking all day and then binging at night. It was the binging at night that really, really threw me. Um, so I started, I, I reintroduced sugar and um, and within about... Five months, all I did was all I was doing was thinking about sugar, and that is my um, that is my definition of uh, my life becoming unmanageable. Is when my head and my feet are not in the same place. So if I'm at work and all I'm thinking about is being able to have a dessert after dinner, 
not a good idea for me to, to, to be doing it. And, and also, my sponsor said, you know what, you may not be able to stop. You're a compulsive eater. You know, you may not, just because you've been abstinent for X number of years and, you know, you, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to stop. You're powerless over sugar. And um, so I've stopped eating sugar again, and it's, it's been a few months. And um, it really, you know, I had, to, I had to pray more than normal. And uh, fortunately, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm not eating sugar anymore. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, I'm better off not, you know, I tried the experiment and, and, you know, it didn't work. Um, but that's just my, that's just my story. So, you know, um, I eat out other things sort of moderately and sometimes not so moderately. When my mother died, I put on some weight. You know, I was eating more. I still am a compulsive eater. My meals were getting bigger. My snacks were getting a, a little sloppy, but um, I stayed close to program whether I liked it or not. I mean, because I went through about a year and a half where I actually don't even remember it. I do not remember the year and a half after my mother died. Like, I know I went to work, and I'm, I know I ate because I can do that on, you know, because I put on weight. But, um, but I, um, I don't remember, you know. Um, and the thing that kept me going during that time was that I sponsor, I, I had about five sponsees. And um, I didn't, you know, during that time I didn't actually speak to them about what I was going through. I wanted to know what they were going through. Because that's what, you know, weird, weird thing is that when I first started working with my sponsor, her mother died shortly after that. She never talked to me about it. She was busy being of service to me. And that was what I was taught, was to be of service to my sponsees. And then I, I would take my stuff to my sponsor. Um, God, I feel like this is so boring. Um, um, anyway, uh, what, what else? What else? Uh, so um, today, I have the same job I had when I came in here. I, um, I don't know how people speak for a living. Um, uh, I have the same job. Um, I have a different car. I have the same house, the same family. Um, and when I, you know, everything on the outside pretty much looks the same. But I actually, like I, the, the second part I read, I am actually a happy person. I never thought, I, I've always enjoyed my work, you know, but it was still something I had to do. And about, about I guess about five years ago, I, don't, I guess it was another little mini spiritual awakening, suddenly I, I started, like, really enjoying my work. I, nothing had changed. I just, I started trying to be present. I had been meditating and praying in the morning. Um, I had been setting goals for myself for the day, you know, like treat others the way you would like to be treated. Um, I, I, you know, when I pray and meditate, I ask God to sort of, you know, what is it I need to work on? And if I get quiet, as my sponsor promised me, um, something would be pointed out. And it's, it's funny because she has me do that with my defects of character because um, she wouldn't let me write down everything I thought was wrong with me. Um, 
she said, just in your prayer and meditation, get quiet and breathe and ask God what it is that you need to work on for today. And um, and it's funny, it really worked, you know, because I would, you know, each morning I'd go, oh, I haven't been very patient lately. For some reason an idea would come up. And i go, okay, for today, I don't care if I do nothing else. I'm going to be abstinent. I'm going to be patient. I don't have to do anything else. Show up, be abstinent, be patient. Um, now, I'm not always that rigorous, but um, I do know that when I do my prayer and meditation, and sometimes it's just contemplation, you know, sometimes I'm not able to calm it down, so I just sit there and, and think and have coffee. And, and, um, but what I've been doing the last couple of years is writing uh, a gratitude list every morning and um, a couple of things that I did well the day before and the things that I'm powerless over. Um, and what else? Um, I, uh, how else do I work this program? I, um, it's miraculous. So anyway, all right, back on point. Everything looks the same on the outside, but I love my life. I think I have, like, the best house, which is the same house I've lived in for 20 years, um, I love what I do for a living. Every day I thank God for letting me, you know, be my own employer, you know. Um, oh, I've always, the reason I worked seven days a week was because I always had financial fear. I was always, like it was never, I was always afraid that there wasn't going to be enough. And um, now with even taking two days off a week, which I had no, I really didn't think that was ever going to happen in my life. I just did not. Um I I actually, for the most part, way back, I'm hardwired to worry about money. I, I come from a very poor family. But I, if I am um, spiritually fit, it doesn't rule my life. Oh, yay. Um, so that's ten minutes, right? Okay. Um, so, um, wow, this is tough. Um, Anyway, so I don't have, you know, and, and the thing is is that one another very wise thing that my, my sponsor ought to be speaking here is really what, because I keep quoting her, um, is whenever I used to talk about, you know, fear of whatever, um, which, by the way, I realized fear runs my life. I wake up every day with some level of fear and anxiety, and if I immediately do my prayer and meditation, I'll go, oh, that's just that free-floating fear and anxiety I always get. And I don't have to buy into whatever it is because it's just, it's just been part of my life and I can either give it more power or less power. And if I start, you know, connecting to something greater than my own thinking, it usually diminishes. Um, but she also said that something that, that I stick with and, and, and I say, tell the girls I sponsor, whenever I get fearful about something, she says, trust your history, Mary. You have always been taken care of. You know, whether, whether you realized it or not, you have always been taken care of. And that's the truth. And the difference between, you know, me before program and after, really before working the steps and after working the steps is that now I'm aware of it. You know, it was, I was always being taken care of before. I just wasn't aware of it, you know. Um, before I worked the steps, I, you know, focused on, you know, why me, you know, all the negative stuff. 
Um, and it's not to say that I'm not negative. I mean, you know, the way I'm feeling about the way I'm speaking is <laughs> the most positive. But, um, <laughs> um, but there's hope for me, you know. Some days are better than others. I, um, I have a good life, and it's because of these rooms, you know. Um, the, the one thing I've been really, really uh, not the greatest on is outreach calls. But fortunately for me, God has remedied that by having a lot of people call me. And um, so, I mean, I, I, and that's the other thing is I answer my phone now. I actually answer my phone. I don't screen all my calls. Before I got into program, I did not want to, you know, like I had to know who was calling me, and most people I didn't want to talk to. Um, and I often say that I don't like people and that being, you know, with groups of people is really uncomfortable. You know, it's not that I don't like you. Um, <laughs> it's I am uncomfortable, and I'm, I'm uncomfortable. When I'm uncomfortable in my own skin, I can't be with you guys. I cannot be with. And for 43 years, I was uncomfortable in my own skin. And I still have days, you know, where I forget that I have, that there is a solution. Um, and sometimes I choose to um, think I can do it on my own. Um, and sometimes I do it okay. I get by okay. Um, but for the most part, my life is always so much better when I stay close to, to these rooms. Um, I've met wonderful, wonderful people in these rooms. And it's really interesting because when I first came in, I thought, oh, my God, I, I, I can't talk to these people. Oh, my God, you know, like, um, that's the other thing that, that I've come to realize is that, that I'm quite comfortable being either better or worse than everybody else. You know, it's really hard to be one of many and to, to treat everybody on an equal basis. Um, and I don't know which fellowship it is, because like I said, I'm, I belong to like a billion. All of them but the sex one. Um, and, um, which probably is the funnest one, you know. Um, and so, um, but, I know. So, um, now I've lost my train of thought. What were they saying? Oh. Never, never mind. Um, but, uh, oh, God. Anyway, um, these, these rooms have given me a life that I really couldn't have imagined for myself. The fact that I'm even standing up here, you know, um, doing this is amazing. And, oh, my God, I... I, I I, I feel like I've been all over the place. Um, but I do have to say that what's so gratifying is that all of this was my truth. You know, I didn't lie once in this. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I used to enhance and embellish and stuff, you know. But, but you know, now I, I try, try to tell the truth. That's been my biggest thing lately is, is that, um, you know, when I, when, when I don't want to do something for somebody, I'll just I'll throw in a little, like, embellishment. And I thought, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I can't. So, so one day at a time, I'm telling myself that just for today, I'm going to be rigorously honest with those around me, even if it's just like stupid things like, no, I can't come, you know, because, you know, my niece is in a play. You know, I mean, 
who cares? And what's wrong with just saying, no, I can't come? I don't, you know, it, that's a really old idea. Um, so, um, all right, for today, I'm abstinent today. That's all, as far as I'm concerned, that's all that's important, is that I'm abstinent today. Um, I, um, well, and I do have uh, solutions, and they're usually found in the big book and by talking to other, to my fellows. Um, I, uh, I really, really love this program. And it's not often that I actually say that, but right now I'm feeling so much gratitude because until I, think, until I actually compare where I'm at today with where I was at 13, 12 and a half, 13 years ago, um, it's night and day. And there's, you know, the only difference is that I'm, you know, 13 years older. And, um, you know, and I've got 13 years of, of program in me. Um, that has changed my life. And it's really hard to explain. I can't tell you how this works. I really don't understand how it works. I don't know how I could walk into a room one day and, um, and, ha- and not be able to stop eating at night. Like I was crying the night before I went to my first meeting. I was crying standing in front of the refrigerator because I couldn't stop eating non-fat plain yogurt the most boring food on the planet, and I could not stop eating it. It wasn't just sugar stuff. It was anything. Um, And, you know, somebody at this meeting, I'm 43 years old, crying because what I'm thinking in my head is, I'll never be able to have another chocolate donut, you know. And um, this guy came up to me and he said, you know, I was talking to him, and he said, do you think you cannot have a chocolate donut for four hours? And I said, yeah, I think so. And, you know, so he said, here's my card, call me. So I'm a good girl. I called him in four hours. He said, do you have any chocolate donuts? I said, no. And he said, did you have any sugar? And I said, no. And he goes, you think you can do it four more hours? And I said, I think so. And that was my first day of abstinence. And um, it's amazing. You know, it's a miracle that that actually happened. And that's what I do. You know, I I sponsor. I, I am really a lax sponsor. You know, I relaxed. Don't say relaxed. Relaxed. Um, you know, because I can't make anybody want, you know, to have a better life or a different life. Um, I just say, you know, you ask me because you want what I have, and this is what I did to get it. You know, and you don't. You know, maybe it doesn't work for you, but but this is all I know. This is how I know to pass it on, um, and. It really is true that, that, you know, each day when I think it's a day that I'm not going to be able to make it through, um, I ask God to direct my thinking. Um, You know, I try to relax, take it easy, you know, ask God for an intuitive thought. And um, somehow I I get through each day, you know. Um, And I always tell my girls, you know, if you have a good day today, there's a better chance that you're going to have a good day tomorrow. But let's stick with today. You know, let's just get through today. And um, so I am an incredibly grateful member of this program. Oh, and I know what I was going to say. I led a meeting on January 1st of this year, and I was not feeling very, this is, I'm going to end with this. I was not feeling very good. You know, I just, you know, I thought, oh, God. You know, and um, so I did my 10-minute pitch. And I was talking about, because one of the things my sponsor also, also talked about that attracted me to her was about freedom. 
And I, that's what I want. I want freedom. I want freedom from this obsession, freedom from, from my old way of, of living. And, um, and so I shared that at this meeting. And I got a call on February 1st from a woman who, a newcomer who had been at her first meeting. And um, she said, I just wanted you to know, and I've I'd never really met her, and she goes, I just wanted to know that because of your share, I have 30 days of abstinence. So, um, you know, and I thought that I had, you know, that it was not a good day for me. But um, it obviously was. Anyway, thank you guys for being here. You make it. <laughs>